to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. I am definitely not that way. <clears throat> but welcome back to Indian Creek Baptist Church. Welcome back to the book of Judges. We are going to continue our study, uh, learning how to walk with God as we walk through the book of Judges. Pick up in Judges chapter 14 this morning. Last week, we got introduced to Samson and... Uh, it was quite the introduction. Samson has um, already showing us some character traits that are far different from the first judges in the book of Judges. Uh, Samson being the last judge that is listed in the book. Uh, after Samson, we go through a short time of no judges, and then we get into Samuel, and then uh, ultimately David is the final judge as he finally delivers Israel from the Philistines. Judges chapter 14 and verse number 12 is where we're going to pick up. The Bible says, And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If you can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you thirty sheets and thirty changes of garments. But if you cannot declare it me, then shall ye give me thirty sheets and thirty changes of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband, that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burden thee and thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take that we have? Is it not so? And Samson's wife wept before him, and said, Thou dost hate me. Thou dost but hate me, and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people, and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it my father or my mother. And shall I tell it thee? And she wept before him the seven days, while their feast lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, because she lay sore upon him, and she told the riddle to the children of her people. And the men of the city said unto him in the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, If ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ascalon, and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave change of garments unto them, which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house, but Samson's wife was given to his companion, who he had used as his friend. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you again for this opportunity to gather here, Lord, to study your truth, to study your word, and to learn how to walk. Lord, I know that sounds odd coming from people of our age, but learning how to walk with you is something completely different than walking on this earth. So, God, please guide us and direct us today. Speak to our hearts. Share your truth with us. Help us to see those things in our lives that would hinder our walk with you and help us to remove them. 
So God, please guide us and direct us this morning. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said earlier, we were introduced to Samson last week. And in the first 11 verses, we see someone with a completely different character than any other judge we've already seen. We see a man who is really pushing the boundaries of what of the vow that God has laid upon his life. Now remember, Samson uh, did not take the vow of the Nazarite voluntarily. This vow was put on him from the womb. It was put on him before he was born. And yet, rather than embracing it wholly, he is just pushing every boundary that he can. Last week, he uh, sought to marry a daughter of the Philistines. We understand that God knew that all of this was going to happen and that God is using this time as an occasion against the Philistines to begin the deliverance of Israel, even though Israel is not asked for it at this time. And while Samson and his parents were traveling to meet this young woman and, and to make all of the arrangements for her to marry Samson, we saw that a lion came, upon, came up to Samson and was trying to eat him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and, and he destroyed the beast with his bare hands. He killed the lion. And then some time went by and as he's returning here at this point to go and, and go to the wedding, he steps aside to see the carcass of the lion and he finds the honeycomb and he takes of the honey out of the carcass of the lion and that's been defiled by the carcass and he begins to eat it and he gives it to his parents and defiles them and, and now he is putting a riddle forth to these 30 companions of the Philistines that were given to him because he really had no other friends. But in this riddle, we see a wager. He's making a bet. He said, if you can tell me the riddle, I will give each of you, all 30 of you, I will give you a change of garments and a sheet. But if you cannot, then you will each give me a change of garment and a sheet. This does not seem like the way that a judge, a deliverer of Israel, a godly person should walk. Yet, God is going to continue to use him. We can learn a lot from this next section as we see how this whole feast plays out. Samson has put forth his riddle to his 30 companions and and he is thinking of himself that there's no way they can there's no way that they can find out what I've done. There's no way that they can know everything that brought this riddle about. In Samson, we see a man who, while really hiding things from his parents, hiding the fact that he defiled them with, with uh, eating out of a dead carcass and, and all of these other things, that he's disobeyed them and, and he's gone to all these great lengths. He's hiding it from them, yet he is, in a way, showing it to the rest of the world. 
and very proud of it. In this, we see Samson's ego. I believe that here Samson believes that he is untouchable. He knows that he has the vow of the Nazarite. He knows that God will be with him. He knows that he is stronger than any man out there. And he makes this one-sided bet. He's not making it a, an even bet. He's saying if you 30 people can give the riddle, then I personally will give you 30 changes of clothes. He's only asking for one from each of them. Because he feels like there's no way he can lose. He's stronger. He's smarter. He's better looking. Samson is full of himself. We used to call this being 10 feet tall and bulletproof when I was growing up. He had an ego that wouldn't fit in this room. But I think we often get the same ideas. I think we, we get a, a, a different idea of how Samson is as we read through all of this. I don't know about you, but when I read first read through the book of Samson, and this was just revealed to me uh, about a year ago, but as I read through it and, and read through Samson's life, I always pictured Lou Ferrigno, the original Hulk. This giant of a man with muscles upon muscles that, that just destroyed everything that was in his path. But I really don't think that these... 30 companions would have acted the way that they did in our portion of scripture here if that was the case. I don't think they would have spoken to Goliath or any part of Goliath's family the way that they're speaking to Samson's new wife. I feel like they would have feared Samson if he was this way. And the thing that we're going to realize as we go through all of this is that every time Samson has this amazing feat of strength, it's not because of him. It's always preceded by the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. We also understand that when he cuts his hair, that the Spirit leaves him. And he's no longer able to have that strength. So in reality, Samson is not Lou Ferrigno. He's Bill Bixby. He's Bruce Banner. He's the guy that is just the average everyday guy walking around. Unimposing. Nothing to be feared, for, feared of. Yet, Samson thinks of himself the opposite. My dad, one of the best things he's, he ever said to me, he used to, as I was coming into my teenage years and starting to get accolades in school and in sports and starting to think that I was wearing much bigger pants than I was, 
he would always tell me, if you were half the man you think you are, you'd be twice the man you are. That may sound very harsh, and really it probably was. But he was right. Because even back then, I thought myself to be 10 feet tall and bulletproof, and I definitely was not. I mean, look at me. There's no way I was ever the biggest man in the room. Ever. But so often we feel this pride and this ego. And when we have strife or when we have confrontation, it's not really us that's hurt. Very rarely in a confrontation are we physically hurt hurt it's almost always emotionally it's our pride i i still very much struggle with this and and i often hear those words repeated to me uh even now as a 40 year old man i hear those words repeated in the back of my head as we go through and, and I have disagreements in business or I have disagreements in, in anything, just interactions with people, my first reaction is almost never to just humbly look at the other person's point of view and try and see what's going on and try and understand why they feel that way. My first reaction is almost always the hair on the back of my neck stands up. My neck begins to get red, I begin to get flushed, and I begin to get angry. Almost always. Whether it's my wife, whether it's my children, whether it's one of you, anytime we're questioned. That's not the way that we should be. Samson, this pride and this ego is going to destroy him. And it's not only going to destroy him, but it's going to destroy those that he cares about. Here, this riddle has now put his new bride, this person that he went so far out of the way, so far out of out of God's command to marry. He's now put her and her family in danger of being burned alive by the Philistines. she caves in she finds out the answer to the riddle she tells the children of her people to save her own life and Samson gets angry and he goes down to Ashkelon and he randomly just kills 30 men now every other judge that we've seen. Even David. All of these men have killed people. Samson is the first one 
the first judge, the first person that God has raised up over Israel to be a leader that has just gone out and killed people to kill people. They're not going to war. They're not defending themselves. I mean, we're going to look later this morning at the book of Esther. And we're going to see the children of Israel kill 75,000 people in the, in the book of Esther. But they were defending themselves. Right now, Israel is being raked over the coals in the media by people trying to, to turn the fact that they're defending themselves from a terrorist attack into them purposely going and seeking to hurt the Palestinians. The word Palestinian, the word Palestine is a play on the word Philistine, by the way. Here, Samson, in his anger, just goes and decides he's going to kill 30 people. We need to learn to keep our egos in check. Isaiah 2. Isaiah 2. In verse number 11. The lofty looks of a man shall be humbled. And the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Speaking of the Lord's second coming, the beginning of His millennial reign when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He is Lord. How about Matthew 23? Matthew 23 and verse number 12. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. First Peter 5. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Or Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. These are just a few places in Scripture where God reminds us that we need to be humble. That we need to not be prideful. And like I said, these are just a few. There are examples in every book, in almost every chapter, of people who are prideful, who get taken down. Satan himself was cast out of heaven because he wanted to exalt his throne above God's.
God reminds us that many times, maybe it's something we should listen to. Another lesson that we learn from this passage of Scripture is to be very cautious about who you allow to be in places of influence in your life. Samson is going to learn this the hard way. He has allowed his emotions and his desires to outweigh both the wisdom of his parents and the command of God. He has gone outside of all of that to seek out this Philistine woman. And he allows her to outweigh his own common sense. And again, his desire for her outweighs the directions of God. We'll notice as we continue on through the life of Samson that the only time that Samson really allows God to influence his life is when he's in trouble. That sounds really familiar. Most of us today, even those that are saved, that, that claim to be walking a life with Christ, to be serving the Lord, really only seek Him when they need something. The Bible is very specific about every part of our life. It gives clear direction on who we should associate with, who we should allow to be an influence in our life. It gives clear direction on how to choose a spouse, how to choose friends, how to choose business associates. And not just in one place, but in many but probably the clearest example is 2 Corinthians 6.14. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? We cannot allow people who are not trying to serve God to be influences in our life. We notice here that Samson, the only reason that these men found out the riddle is because Samson's wife continued to weep and cry and beg and plead for the answer. And when she got it, she went and told. We understand later in the story that the only reason that they understood Samson's weakness is because the woman that he loved wept and cried and persisted over and over again to find out his strength. Now, in this case, it just happens to be two women. 
But the example is, these are people that Samson allowed to influence his life. That he revealed his deepest and darkest secrets to. And they both turned on him. This includes all aspects of our lives. Today, I don't know if you guys know, is Super Bowl Sunday. And as I've done for many years now, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl. I really don't care. I've told a story about Thanksgiving in Louisiana, and I sat down and watched the football game on Thanksgiving because I had literally nothing else to do. And my wife thought I was sick. She thought I was having a mental breakdown. Growing up, I had a favorite football team. I had a favorite baseball team. I had a favorite basketball team. I wore their jerseys. I wore their hats. I had I had a, a hockey jersey that I didn't realize wasn't for a hockey player. It was for an MMA fighter. I don't know. That's how much I knew about hockey and MMA at the time. But I wore it all the time. I, I, I went to uh, Denver, Colorado with my grandparents to go see some, uh, some cousins. Uh, one of them was graduating college, I think, or high school. Anyway, it really doesn't matter. But uh, I had a bright red Chicago Bulls hat. And um, when I got in the car, I had the hat on. And my granddad said, when we get to Colorado, take that off, put it in your bag, and don't get it back out. I said, why? He said, because those are gang colors. He said, we're going to Denver. The part of Denver we're going to be in, there's a lot of gangs. Don't want you to get shot. Oh, okay. But there are people all over the world that represent themselves as being a part of a gang by what colors they wear. I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let those people influence me. I'm not going to allow men like Bill Gates or Elon Musk to tell me how to organize my my portfolio to make millions and millions of dollars. Because I don't believe they're godly men. And I believe that what they their advice goes against what God has to say. I'm not going to seek advice from the world on how to organize my marriage or how to raise my children. I don't know how many times my family has been very upset with me for how I raise my children. To the point of not wanting to have anything to do with us. It doesn't matter. God matters. Samson didn't 
at this point and doesn't throughout his life choose carefully those that would influence him. He continues to seek those that would turn him away from God. And because of it, he is destroyed. And his great strength is really almost wasted. There's another lesson to be learned from all of this. And this comes from Samson's wife. In trying to please those around her and to save her own life, she neglected the one person who could actually help her. When those men came to her and threatened to burn her and her father alive, she didn't turn to her husband. This is another example of why I completely believe that Samson was not this hulking giant that we picture when we think of him. Because I feel like she would have run to him for protection. But she didn't. She didn't even try to explain. I feel like most men in... Just most men in general. If your wife came to you and said, give me all of our banking information because these people are going to kill me if they don't get it. I feel like most of us would, one, either go find those men and become Samson, or two, willingly graciously give up that information to protect our spouse. I feel like if she had said, Samson, they're threatening to kill me. Please tell me the answer to the riddle. That he would have either given the answer or he would have at least had a legitimate reason for going and randomly killing 30 people. Young people, it's vital as you seek a spouse and you start your own family that those you seek to be that influential person in your life are going in the same direction that you are. Men, it's vital that your spouse, your children know that no matter what, you are the safe place in their life. And for all of us, God is the safe place. When Rachel and I got married, we said our wedding vows. And those vows included things along the line of for richer or for poorer. In sickness and in health. The good times and the bad times. My grandparents that have passed away, my my dad's parents, um, they used to argue all the time because my grandfather 
swears that his vows said to obey and my grandmother swears that they were never that word was never anywhere in their vows we have that same vow with our heavenly father when we accept his grace and mercy and salvation it's for good or bad it's for hard times and good times it's whether we're sitting at the table and being blessed beyond belief or whether we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death he will never leave us